0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, one and all, to the Double Take Podcast. I'm Mark Schoenster. Alongside me, James Schoenster. And we are here with episode four? Yes, episode four at this point in time. And, you know, we're back at it again. Uh, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, welcome along. And if you're listening to us on the airwaves in Morgantown, West Virginia, then I'm happy that you stay tuned in to listen to us talk about underappreciated sports history. So, you know, you know, what I decided to do, I figured this week I would do an episode for this week's occasion. Not too often anymore do we get to celebrate sporting events with everything cancelled, but this week we get what is really the only thing I'm excited for sports-wise until everything goes back to normal.
1: Woo sports!
0: Exactly. <laughs> the NFL draft. After the draft is over, I don't know what I'm gonna like what I'm gonna look forward to except for <clears throat> The NFL season! Yeah. <laughs> when do when when does soccer get back into play? Because you know, I got all the summer play. That's probably the next thing I'm going to look forward to, especially uh, lower league tier soccer. Hopefully I can get back down to Florida this summer. But, um, I I mean, after this, I just can't wait for some sort of semblance of professional
1: competition. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be a collective sigh of relief when that first kickoff goes. Or maybe not sigh of relief, more belly Hearts, (laughs) Hearts, <laughs> fire, cheer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> it's back.
0: But yeah, so I'm excited for the draft. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday, April 22nd, but the first time people will hear this will be tomorrow, the day of the draft. And those who hear this on the airways for the first time will hear it on Friday. So they will already know things that we do not as we speak right now. They might know that the Zoom call run that the NFL draft is using ends up being a total mess and we didn't even draft players. They might know that for some reason the Bengals traded out of the top spot and some other team got Joe Burrow. I don't know. I it Crazy, unexpected stuff happens at the draft every year. And, I mean, future
1: people will know. May the best internet connection win.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Any hopes for your Vikings in this draft, James?
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, we always like to take value guys, uh, you know, best man up. Uh, and We've got a lot of different positions to fill to um, make make up some of the ground on on uh the trades we made during the offseason and then honestly if we trade away those picks for decent uh def- decent choices uh that are already in the league i, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to that either
0: of course of course uh kind of alluding to odo beckham here a lot of people talking about that but we're not, we're not a free agency podcast, we're not just an NFL podcast, so let's, let, let, let's leave it at, let's hope you're, for your Vikings' sake, and for the sake of the entire NFL, that this year's draft class is nothing like the one we're going to talk about.
1: We won't be breaking the news, I'll just uh, keep refreshing. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, today's topic for Double Take, uh, I did some Googling, and then decided to do a highlight episode on what is considered the worst draft class in NFL history. Ryan Leaf's class? No, it is not. <laughs> I would not call a class with Peyton Manning in it the worst draft class. Anyway, if Peyton Manning was the only player who was successful in that draft class, I, I, I'd say, no, this isn't the worst one. But, right. no, anyway. What year? So, before I, I'll, I'll let you know the year in just a second, but I was tempted to do two different angles when I was going into this research. Did I want to pick a single team that hit busts everywhere, kind of like the Raiders with Jamarcus Russell and all the way through that draft, it was just a terrible class they picked? Or do I want to pick a whole batch of players who produce less talent than any other draft? Lucky for me, I may have found both at the same time. Okay. So let's talk about a year pretty significant to you, James. 1992. Hooray! A month before you were born, the worst batch of college players were drafted by hopeful NFL teams looking to bolster their rosters turn ships around, It provides some buzz for their fans. All right. So typically in a draft, you start with the first pick, then second, then third, then fourth, et cetera. Thanks for the counting lesson. Yes, but <laughs> for the sake of humor and saving the best for last, we're going to go player by player in the first round of this year's draft, highlight their achievements, or lack thereof, starting from pick 28 and going down. They're only 28 okay. teams, so that's the last pick in the first round. All for right. those at home who don't realize that the NFL wasn't always 32 teams, um was it
1: titans texans jaguars the
0: jaguars are no not quite no not the Jaguars. it's the panthers texans titans and i it may be the jaguars a lot of these teams (laughs) the careers interweave with the jaguars but yeah sure you're right because the jaguars come in just a couple years later okay yeah sorry i just it was an expansion time for the NFL, to say the least. So, I just can't believe I got three of them. Yeah, there you go. So to conclude the first day of the NFL draft, the reigning champion Washington Redskins traded their pick to the Cincinnati Bengals, who selected a decorated safety out of the U, Daryl Williams. Darrell Darryl Williams was an All-American last year and won two natties with Miami, so not a bad choice. And he actually ends up being a decent player. Through his 10-year career, Williams starts 137 of 156 games, has 31 picks, over 800 tackles, and nearly 10 sacks as a safety. Nice. In 97, he even makes the All-Pro team and makes the Pro Bowl. Unfortunately for the Bengals, that is with the Seahawks. So, he played with the Bengals before and after a four-year stint in Seattle, but his best years were with a team that didn't draft him. Gotcha. So, good for Williams. A successful survivor of this draft class. The next guy did well for himself as well. The Bills had just lost the last two Super Bowls, but are going to get them next time, right? They're going to get this next Super Bowl. (laughs) The mantra. Yeah, (laughs) we'll get them next time. Uh, They draft John Fina, who is an offensive tackle out of Arizona. Fina had his jersey retired at his high school, and after his football career, he appeared on an episode of Food Wars. But those are really his only personal accolades that he got just himself
1: drafted in the first round, and his highlight is food wars. So yeah, I think yeah. I know <laughs> how that career went.
0: <laughs> but, but he he still started for the Bills for a couple years. He watched them yeah. lose two more Super Bowls in his formative years of NFL football. Right. And then from then on, the Bills are just kind of the Bills. So the next pick, the twenty sixth, is one of the best picks in the draft. Robert Porcher is a defensive end from South Carolina State a small school that has produced some great defensive talents, including himself, Deacon Jones, and mm-hmm. Mike Colt's current uh, centerpiece, Darius Leonard. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Porsche over his 13-year career, would tally 600 tackles, nearly 100 sacks, an interception, as well as three pole bowl, Pro Bowls, sorry, and three All-Pro seasons. So as of three picks in the first round, we have four total All-Pro years and four total Pro Bowls, so not bad.
1: Okay, but they were the people everyone else passed on, so Yeah, I are where got... the rest of the team's heads were at.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they missed out. So, entering the 25th of the draft, pick of the draft, one of just two quarterbacks in the first round. Okay. The Denver Broncos select a man who is now, uh, who is about to have, excuse me, a strange career, Tommy Maddox.
1: Maddox,
0: okay. Maddox would not impress at Denver, which meant he'd go to the LA Rams then the giants then the falcons
1: wait were they the la rams in 92
0: yep they were (laughs) how funky is that (laughs) then he'd be released and not be signed he would become an insurance agent for a few years before playing for the new jersey red dogs and the los angeles extreme in the xfl after an xfl title with la he'd get signed by the steelers where he won the starting role and helped the team go ten five and one they'd go six and ten the next year and then an injury the next season led to a rookie and Ben Roethlisberger taking his place. So that was a weird one with one random high spot, but outside of that, a bust, albeit a weird one. Right. I mean, he,
1: you said he was a quarterback. Yeah. I I wonder if he had something uh, kind of like the discount double check, considering he did his stint as an insurance. <laughs> yeah, <man>.
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm Tommy Maddox, and uh, from State Farm. This is
1: the. <laughs> Disappearing deductible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so after that was another good pick at twenty-four. So early on the draftings are going well, you know? Or or later on the draftings are going well, excuse me. Right. The Cowboys would take linebacker Robert Jones, who would start immediately, get the famed honor of this year's NFC Rookie of the Year, Ooh. and would win three Super Bowls with the Cowboys. He'd then see time with St. Louis, who were now the St. Louis Rams later. Just a couple years later, just we caught little, the, yeah. the tail end of the L.A. Rams. Right. Uh, then Miami and Washington before retiring in 01. He'd collect one Pro Bowl appearance, but a great career if you start on three Super Bowl winning teams. So yeah,
1: three rings, a Pro Bowl, and an eight-year career. That's, yeah, that's uh, pretty solid. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. yeah, I would say so. So the total count after five picks in this draft is five Pro Bowl appearances in four All-Pro seasons. All right. Picks 23 and 22 both were mixed bag on the defensive line and both had run-ins with the law. Chris Mims played nine years, 104 games, and wrapped up 42 sacks. Mims was not a high character, though. During his career, he had been charged with assault, DUI, and vandalism. On top of that, he just didn't pay
1: for things. Who took a chance on him?
0: Um, hold on. I can find it right here. Chris Mims, uh, it was the San Diego Chargers. All right. So, on top of that, though, he just didn't pay for things. He didn't pay bills for attorney fees. He didn't pay bills for liquor, uh, Mercedes Benz, and he didn't even pay for child support at times.
1: He must have uh, read the Art of the Deal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but overall, kind of a bust. Right. So the guy drafted before him. Alonzo Spellman would play about 20 more games, get 43 sacks and 8 picks. A slightly better career, but also had a bigger demon off the field. His bipolar disorder was something he always struggled with, and he refused to take medication for it. So instead, he fell into illegal drugs and alcohol, which resulted with issues with the law all the time. It got so bad that one time he had an episode in an airplane that resulted in an emergency landing. Wow. So, just unlucky stuff.
1: Uh, That's no buyout.
0: But he tried to better himself after he left football, but still found himself getting into trouble, and most recently was arrested for possessing less than 50 grams of marijuana.
1: I mean, self-medicating is one thing. I don't think it takes 50 grams.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But pretty unfortunate stuff talking about these two, but for the sake of the story of the draft, these two are disappointments who contribute to the bigger picture we are discussing here. Mm -hmm. So, gotta talk about why, you know, they didn't pan out. On a more comical note... The New Orleans Saints, still known as the Aints at this point in time, drafted an absolute dud in Vaughn Dunbar. So, Toast in his name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he's a running back, and he would only last three seasons in the NFL. He played for the Saints, the Jaguars, and then the Saints again, compiling a whopping 935 career rushing yards before going to the XFL where he was cut after four weeks because he was averaging 1.16 yards a carry. Oof. So, couldn't make it in the NFL and then couldn't make it in the XFL.
1: Yeah, and uh, leave it to the Aints to, to make the same mistake twice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, the 20th pick in the draft was another success. Dale Carter would play corner for the Chiefs and would accumulate 24 picks over his career, including a pick six his rookie year. He
1: mm-hmm. would
0: be named NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year and would get four straight Pro Bowl appearances. In two All-Pro honors in the middle of that run. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, Carter would develop a substance abuse problem that resulted in his release. The Broncos would sign him and give him the best contract a corner had ever received, $22.8 million for four years.
1: Do drugs, skip school kids.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the lesson here. <laughs> He'd play one year as a Bronco, get suspended in 2000, and then was released. Ah. Whoops. So... You know, you gotta be careful about who you put your money into. <laughs> Sunk cost. Yeah, exactly. But that is considered we'll one of.
1: Soldier on.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if you... better to admit the mistake than keep living with it. You know. True. But that is considered one of the worst free agency signings of all time. So even some of the better players in this draft have blemishes on their name. Anyway, but still a decent player, and he helps rack up the first round's accolades. Nine picks, nine Pro Bowls, six All-Pro Seasons. There you go. So far, so good. At 19, we have a fun one. The Green Bay Packers originally had this spot, but they traded it to the Falcons, who would draft the first running back in the draft, Tony Smith. At 19. Okay. Tony Smith. The uh, The Falcons selected him, much to the dismay of head coach Jerry Glanville, who wanted a defensive back. Smith would show up to camp late to dispute his contract. Five days later, he had one worth $2.5 million. He'd rushed for 329 yards and two touchdowns his rookie year and then never played NFL football again.
1: I wonder if you broke down how many dollars per yard (laughs) he got. That guy knew the art (laughs) of the deal. There you
0: go. He'd see the bench the next two years get traded to the Panthers where he broke his tibia and fibula fibula, excuse me, mm-hmm. medical words in the preseason. An absolute bust. Absolutely. And do you want to hear the best part about all of this? The Packers originally had that draft spot, traded it to the Falcons, in returned for a guy who had a crappy rookie season in Atlanta, Brett Favre.
1: Oh my. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that the Packers had a, such a great deal there, but, you know, it is what it is. Right. At least he retired in Minnesota.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to this on any of our podcasting platforms, be sure to check out Anchor and SoundCloud for other great U92 podcasts. If you're listening on the air, this is U92 The Moose. You're a live from anywhere in the world at U92themoose.com. Another interesting tidbit, Favre and Smith actually played with each other in college at Southern Mississippi. The two would proceed to have very different NFL careers. So... Yeah.
1: You know... they it, it, separated by a year in school and... Decades. In <laughs> the, <I don't> know. <laughs> you know, the funny part
0: is that people thought Tony Smith was going to be the guy at Southern Mississippi to be the big name, and Brett Favre was just some derpy quarterback who was awful in Atlanta. But, you know, it's crazy how... Wrong we are all the time about draft (laughs) prospects. All the time. Draft
1: is such such
0: tricky business. Mm -hmm. So the 18th pick was pretty weak. Uh, Dana Hall was a safety who'd play six years in the NFL, all with the 49ers, and would get seven picks and two sacks. Nothing too amazing about him, and he'd eventually lose his starting job before being released. Dud. On the other hand, 17 was a great defensive back. Kevin Smith would be drafted by the Jerry Jones juggernaut, and would find himself starting by the end of his rookie year. He would lead the Cowboys in passes defended every year he played for them outside that rookie year. He'd win three Super Bowls, but his career ended a bit short due to injury issues in 95, 99, and a knee injury that did him in for good in 2000. Mm. In his brief career, he had 19 picks, including a pick six, 91 passes defended, and one all pro season in 96.
1: That's decent, at least uh, relatively speaking.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty decent, pretty decent, you know? So now the tally is at 12 picks, 9 Pro Bowls, 7 All-Pros, seasons-wise. So that's not all of the Their (laughs) whole career. Their whole career. So have you noticed that our pace is already getting slower in this as we get closer and closer to the earlier picks? I'm guessing those are where the uh, real gems (laughs) exactly, (laughs) Exactly. So the 16th pick would be another successful one. The L.A. Raiders, who are also in L.A. at this time, so two L.A. teams that would then not have no teams, and now have two teams again in current times. So, interesting.
1: I want two. Yeah, Take exactly. it or leave it. Oh, no, they left.
0: There you <laughs> go. But they would draft Chester McLaughlin, a defensive tackle out of Clemson. McLaughlin had a good career, 12 years, 51 sacks, 12 forced fumbles, 440 tackles, uh, 4 picks, even on route to a career where he got 4 Pro Bowl visits, 3 All-Pro seasons, all with the Razor, Raiders, sorry, before hopping from Kansas City, Denver, and then the Green New York team,
1: ah, so pretty That's good, a career. good career, yeah, yeah pretty good. Uh, pretty and good. Clemson, at least as far as I can tell, has produced pretty good picks. If you get if you get drafted out of Clemson, uh, I've. A good chance that you're gonna do well. I've mm-hmm. seen quality players come out of Clemson and play in the NFL for quite a long time
0: now. This was back in the early nineties, yeah, so yeah. this was before they were really what they are today.
1: Right. It's uh, it, it's definitely something that I didn't think was a trend until you know this moment here. I thought it was more of a recent thing. Right. Right. <laughs> Just
0: the the Dabo era. Now they've yeah they're producing out talent. But speaking of that green New York team I just mentioned, the Jets Mm -hmm. picked right before L.A. and drafted tight end Johnny Mitchell. Mitchell would have a career. (laughs) We'll call it that. Not exactly one of a first-round pick, but still better than some guys. He'd have 16 career touchdowns, over 2,000 receiving yards in 57 games played. So not a very long career despite his efforts to stay alive in the league. And, boy, were there efforts.
1: But he's a Jets legend.
0: Oh, he's... Jets lore speaks his name. His best year would be in 94, by far, when he'd have 749 yards and four tutties under Jets head coach Pete Carroll. Oh. So, I totally didn't even know that he had a stint as the Jets head coach, but here we are.
1: Carroll's been in the NFL a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. The next year, though, Carroll would be gone, and the Jets would draft a tight end who would take the main spot on the team. So, Mitchell would sign with the Dolphins in '96 but walked out of training camp after 12 days, announcing his retirement at the old age of 25. I'm done. I'm over this. Screw you guys, I'm going home. (laughs) But that same season, he'd come back for a short stint with the Cowboys after they had some tight end injury issues. Then he returned to retirement until he begged the new, new Jets head coach, not the one who replaced him, but has already gotten fired, and now there's a new Jets head coach... Bill Parcells, he begged him for a shot on the team to rekindle his career. He would sign with them, and then after the first day of trading camp, he would leave in the middle of the night unannounced and then retired again.
1: I feel like in late two thousands, Brett Favre was sitting around with his friends, you know, talking about his career plans. You know, I think, I think, uh, I think I'm getting to the end of my career. I I might retire, and someone was like, yeah, Brett, but what about, what what was this guy's name? Johnny Mitchell. What about Johnny Mitchell? And he goes, Johnny Mitchell? Who's Johnny Mitchell? He played when you were, like, he played while you were in the NFL. All right, tell me about this guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear this story. (laughs) I
1: want to hear this.
0: No, but his strange career would continue when he would try to unretire again and play for the Saints and the Jaguars, but neither really panned out, and he didn't really get any playing time. So, Johnny Mitchell, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) One of the very interesting ones in this draft. But he did all right for a little bit, but then had a very interesting rest of his career. (laughs) And
1: most likely to say, you can't fire me, I quit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. But returning back to 1992... The guy taken before Mitchell was another tight end, Derek Brown, who was taken by the other New York team, the Giants. He only collected 401 receiving yards across his career,
1: but... Better than Tony Smith.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, at least he was dedicated, though, because he'd get picked up by the Jaguars, where during his first year with them, he'd get hit so hard in a preseason game that his ribs were bruised, his spleen and kidney suffered damage, and his lungs collapsed. It collapsed. Wow. He'd be stuck in the hospital for 10 days and then was in a wheelchair for weeks. But he recovered and played pro football again the very next season.
1: That's a comeback.
0: He showed the world his magnum opus that year. 17 catches for 141 yards. Mm. Feels good, man.
1: Comebacks taste great. (laughs) I don't know. Can... Can anyone say they've had 17 catches in the NFL after a collapse long? <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. That is truly a I'll show them all moment, you know? Yeah. Really prove them. But moving on, with the 13th pick in the NFL draft, the New England Patriots select an offensive tackle from your alma mater, Virginia Tech. And his name is Eugene Chung.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He'd start his first two seasons and then never start again. Hopping from the Jaguars to the AFL to the Colts to the Chiefs to the Eagles. Not a starting caliber guy, so also kind of a dud. But on the bright side, he was the third person of Asian descent to play professional American football.
1: The third person, huh? Yeah,
0: so good oh, on him there.
1: Yeah. You know what?
0: Didn't really leave a good impression. but Trailblazing. You, but, you know, there, there is some merit to that. So, at number 12, the Dolphins selected linebacker Marco Coleman, who would have a decent career, but not one that fit number 12 overall in a draft. he recorded record over 60 sacks, 18 forced fumbles, and over 500 tackles in his 14-year career.
1: Oh, okay. I was going to say, those sound like decent numbers, but in 14 years, Yeah,
0: eh. 14 years. We're so used to these players quitting early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he'd have one Pro Bowl but it would be with the Redskins, not the team that drafted him. But a pretty good career, but nothing great for a first-rounder, though, especially one in the top 15.
1: I mean, any of these guys who make it more than 10 years, I would say is cream of the crop at this point. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: Nothing has really been uber impressive. But with that in mind, let's update our uh, accolade count here. After 17 picks, we have 14 Pro Bowl seasons and 10 All-Pro seasons. Some of those, of course, overlapping.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah. At eleven, we have offensive tackle Leon Searcy, who would be in the NFL till two thousand two. Played in one hundred twenty six games, started one hundred eleven of them. One hundred eleven of them, which is not bad, and had one Pro Bowl appearance with the Jaguars, not the Steelers, the ones who drafted him. Another okay career for the eleventh pick. Right. So, getting kind of boring here. No Johnny Mitchells, but <laughs> the point kind of gets across though that you know these guys. They were alright. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, we're
1: we're we're coming up with reasons to praise people who were drafted in the first round.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh kicking off the top ten, the Seattle Seahawks select an offensive lineman from James's rival school, UVA. Okay. So both tech and UVA had some prime offensive linemen to bring into the world this NFL season.
1: I'll forgive them for drafting the Wahoo sooner.
0: Yeah, well, His name is Ray Roberts, and he comes, plays with Seattle, then the Lions, and then it's over. Ten years in the NFL, 127 games, 116 starts. That's it. Another decent player, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't play that much without putting in a shift.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I mean, but like, he he has no accolades to talk of him. So, and he he hopped around a little bit. So, I think he was just kind of like one of those plug-in linemen that, you know... When you didn't have a star guy and you had a really bad guy there right now, maybe you, you call up this guy from Ray Roberts and you know, he can hold the place until you get something better.
1: It's will uh, get when, the job done. When when you're looking at your offensive line and, and, and the fans go, Oh yeah, this guy and this guy, we've got a great center and our right guard, oh, he's one of the best in the league. Uh oh, that that guy playing left guard though, he's he's a turnstile he come, he just lets everything through ray roberts was one of the other two offensive line right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just there
0: you know he'll get called he, the only reason people know him is because sometimes he gets called for holding and then you're mad at him <laughs> <laughs> roberts why did you do that all you do is hold well, actually pretty good you just don't ever think about his name except for when he's called
1: for holding <laughs> oh man most linemen's experience ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
0: it's kind of like until recently how you only knew the bad cornerbacks' names for quite a while except for like the top notch ones.
1: Yeah. You I, knew the
0: really good ones and then you knew the really bad ones and then if you were pretty good, then you know, your name doesn't come up a lot.
1: Yeah, that that's true. It's uh if there's a couple positions like like offensive lineman and and, uh, and and corner, if you do your job right, no one should notice right know, until you've got your your revises that kind of yeah. came in and, and sort of changed the game a bit yeah. with uh with their cornerback play
0: yeah yeah i mean you don't really notice it until for some reason you know you look at a wide receiver stats and he's like 100 90 80 yards 90 yards hundred twenty two yards yards you're like what is that <laughs> what's that going that what's going well, on right there
1: my favorite stat to indicate a great corner is when you look at their games How many times were they targeted? That is a big one. That's a big one. Did the ball actually get thrown that way? Because if a corner's good and consistently good, quarterback's just not going to throw it at them. So, yeah, they might not get all the picks, but if you can can count on a guy to take away one side of the field or, or neutralize a player every play, that's gold.
0: It's the good old Ed Reed Revis Island effect where you just exactly they just quarterbacks just don't throw it their don't way do it yeah <laughs> they're too good at breaking on the ball and making picks breaking up plays just ruining drives stuff like that but anyway that's There's a little
1: takeaway for all you fantasy right. players exactly <laughs> <laughs>
0: but anyway uh, at number nine the Cleveland Browns select a uh, fullback so we're ninth, in the past ninth pick we yeah. are in the past right now. But yeah. Browns head coach, Bill Belichick, made sure to use Tommy Vardell well. Giving him... He would be the one to <laughs> Exactly.
1: Him. I was just waiting for,
0: I was waiting for that realization to sink into your head. Bill Belichick, the lover of long snappers, is oh, like, oh, fun. I love that fullback position. It's I mean, essential to the game.
1: <laughs> it's... You don't get a reputation like that without there being some sort of historical evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is up there. Exactly. <laughs> Exhibit B.
0: <laughs> no, I... You know, I, I can't blame him for liking fullbacks, though, because, like... I mean, I may, I may be no football expert, but fullbacks in Madden are pretty stellar. So oh, yeah. I practically know the game, because fullbacks in <laughs> Madden are fantastic. Yeah. Uh,
1: 2005 specifically. Exactly. <laughs> 905 05,
0: fullbacks. If you have a good fullback, you just just have them run a flare-out every single play and you have an open check down
1: at, every time. Well, uh, if, if you go back uh, to like some of the Madden games from like the early 90s and stuff, every play you could just like snap to the quarterback, run to the back of the uh, field, to the end zone, wait for everyone to get on one side of the field Cut across and score a touchdown because <laughs> you can just outpace everybody that had just run after you. <laughs> right, right.
0: If you're listening to this on any of our podcasting platforms, be sure to check out Anchor and SoundCloud for other great U92 podcasts. If you're listening on the air, this is U92 the Moose. Hear us live from anywhere in the world at U92themoose.com. But Bill Belichick did pretty well to use uh, Tommy Vardell, who Mm was this fullback, uh, giving him over 1,000 rushing yards combined in his first two years, so like averaging about 500 a year. And and so that's pretty good. But injuries would plague Vardell as he'd go to the Lions and then the 49ers. He would retire in 1999, so a short career, but he'd have 22 touchdowns to his name and over 1,000 receiving yards and rushing yards. So got over 1,000 in both clubs. Um, And that's as a fullback. But his biggest accomplishment is probably being the starting fullback for Barry Sanders in ninety-seven when Sanders ran for over two thousand yards. Nice. So an awesome career.
1: We're talking we're talking about the star of this draft was a fullback. Yeah. So awesome
0: career for a fullback who was also selected ninth overall. As you're leading
1: on here. It's we're really grasping at straws. Uh,
0: <laughs> but yeah. Overall, pretty I good. Mean, I,
1: that's one of the one of the problems with a lot of uh, a lot of the stats and how we sort of delineate between who had a good career and who didn't. A fullback isn't gonna show up on a stat sheet. I yeah, mean, exactly. Throwing down blocks that you just it, 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 Do we even track blocks? I like,
0: mean, it was, it, yeah. It, especially back then, definitely no. not. And yeah. really, the only blocking technique now that's really accounted for. First off, pressures allowed and sacks allowed. Which right. is on the bad end, right. Unless they're really low,
1: and then pancakes. <laughs> Those exactly. are really the only How many thing. Times you can... can you get your man on the ground? Yeah, earlier? but that just—I don't know—that doesn't—that doesn't tell the story of a yeah. good walker.
0: No, yeah. it's very true. Very true.
1: I want to see next-gen blocking stats. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, Quentin
1: Nelson's the guy to do that. He's already started
0: getting highlight reels on YouTube, and I'm like, this guy's a guard, and he has yes. highlight tapes. So maybe he'll be, maybe he'll be the, the trailblazer to bring respect to linemen and fullbacks <laughs> and tight ends. But at number eight, the Atlanta Falcons would select Bob Whitfield, an offensive tackle out of Stanford, who would get one Pro Bowl in his time uh, at, in Atlanta. He'd play over 200 games, a good career, and he would end his career with the Giants in 2006, where he'd become infamous for headbutting two different Cowboys players, resulting in two different bad penalties.
1: That's the end of his career?
0: Yeah. Went out with a bang. Exactly. (laughs) Giants fans then referred to him as Headbutt Bob, which... (laughs) Hero. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's a pretty great nickname.
1: If he'd have done it like 10 years earlier in his career, then no, no, it doesn't doesn't work like that. But after a long career, just like, you know, I was gonna retire in the next season or two. I wanna headbutt some players. (laughs) You know what? Forget it, I'm just doing this. This guy's had it coming.
0: (laughs) exactly now nah, and then you can be like you don't do you know who i am i'm headbutt bob <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly i to eat drinks in new york for free <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny
0: but moving on at number seven we have probably the best player in the draft troy vincent over his career the cornerback would have five and a half sacks nearly 800 tackles 47 picks three touchdowns 12 forced fumbles along with 12 recoveries so a pretty nice. great career pretty Lugano. great who got him uh, he'd uh, get drafted by the Dolphins, but he'd also earn five trips to the Pro Bowl in one All-Pro honor. The only kicker to that is that none of those Pro Bowl seasons or that All-Pro season would be in Miami. After four <laughs> years, they would not sign him again, and the team that picked him up would be Philly, and that's really where he's more remembered because that's when he did all of his good work. I'm in
1: Philadelphia, yeah. I just, uh, I, I do still imagine the... Um, Dolphins coming out of uh, the dog pile that is this draft <laughs> with the ball, just kind of like looking around. Like, oh. <laughs> this is the one we got him.
0: <laughs> one last accolade for Troy Vincent is he did uh, with Philly win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So another, oh, wow. another great thing. Like he he had a great career, <clears throat> was doing some good work. Like this this guy is the this is, he's the top of the pile here. the man,
1: the man in charge of the draft at, at Miami knew what he was doing. And then once it became the general manager's job, <laughs> <laughs> they let him go, unfortunately.
0: But there it is. That is your best pick in the draft, I think. And here's one of your worst. So taken before Vincent is the savior of the Cincinnati Bengals. The only other quarterback taken in the first round of the draft. From UCLA, David Klingler. Klingler. No, not the savior of the Bengals. Nope. Nope. No, 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 no. He's not. But he
1: played four times his rookie year. The only Bengals player who's ever been a savior was Andy Dalton, and it was for the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: goodness! <laughs> Remember when Andy Dalton's uh, charity foundation suddenly reached a boom? <laughs> it wasn't Bengals fans. <laughs> oh man, that is that is pretty funny. <laughs> But get a load of this stat line for this guy. He'd play four times his rookie year. He'd throw three touchdowns and get sacked 18 times.
1: Oh, God. Is that even his
0: fault? <laughs> <laughs> um, not, these next few stat lines m- may give you an idea. Okay. Next year, he'd play 14 games. He threw six touchdowns and got sacked 40 times. Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: 40 sacks? I can't believe that he was at 25, 30 sacks. Not nah, coach, I still got this. Then
0: he played 10 games in his third year where he improved his numbers. Six passing touchdowns again and only 24 sacks. All
1: right.
0: <laughs> Progress.
1: Coach, I'm twice as good as last year. I can do this. Next year, will be 12. Okay, wait. So you're telling me... The Bengals still started him the next year.
0: <laughs> after that though, after 3 years it w- it was done. Okay, they were okay. done with him. But that after that season, he would have elbow surgery that resulted in him being able to throw the ball only 35 yards where he could throw it 85 before that.
1: Oh no, my uh my elbow's hurting. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you mean you you can't play anymore? It's it's my elbow. Yeah.
0: He, quote-unquote, played for three more years before hanging up the cleats. Can't Clip, say he really ever started. Clipboard in it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. I I could almost not believe that stat line. I was like, how 40 could someone... Sacks. That means in those three years he started, if we do the math here just really quick, you got 18 sacks your first year, then 40 the next year, so 58, then 24 more sacks, so 58 would be 62 72 sacks. No, no, 82 sacks. 82, yeah. 82 sacks in 3 seasons. And that's not all 16 games all all those years, but eight, 82 sacks in 3 seasons. That poor that's, guy. That's at
1: least 2 sacks a game. Yeah, that's at least. that is incredible.
0: Anyway, Uh, At number five, the Packers draft a cornerback who is the only one in NFL history to not make a Pro Bowl despite having 50 interceptions or more, Terrell Buckley. He is the youngest player to ever return a punt for a touchdown, 21 years and 105 days. Uh, At least someone in this draft is in the record books. Uh, Buckley would play a long career with 50 picks, 534 tackles, two sacks, and a Super Bowl win with the Patriots before retiring with the Giants in 05. The and Packers drafted him, so it was he was not with the Packers. He's
1: no Pro Bowl. And no Pro Bowl. Justice for Buckley.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna posthumously give him a Pro Bowl.
1: <laughs> oh wait, really? Posthumous? No. no, 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 no.
0: That was just me saying that.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, now I really wanna root for this guy. No, no, no. <laughs>
0: anyway, uh with the fourth pick, we have a name familiar to Double Take. The Redskins, the reigning champs, traded up to draft a wide receiver from Michigan, the Heisman, who had been catching passes from Steve Berline in college. And his name is Desmond Howard.
1: Desmond Howard.
0: So, kind of just a throwback to that test episode. was catching passes from that Carolina Panthers gunslinger for one season, Steve Berline.
1: That's right.
0: But, uh, anyway, Howard was supposed to be a great primetime receiver i mean he won a heisman as a receiver like how often does that happen
1: that's pretty impressive
0: but he would only get one pro bowl appearance and one all pro season
1: so we've broken 20 pro bowl appearances yet in uh, everyone's career draft so far <laughs> something. and we have three picks left yeah <laughs>
0: If you're listening to this on any of our podcasting platforms, be sure to check out Anchor and SoundCloud for other great U92 podcasts. If you're listening on the air, this is U92 The Moose. Hear us live from anywhere in the world at U92themoose.com. Yeah, we're we're roughly around there. I have a countdown here somewhere. I'm not doing the math in my head right now. Um, But he is more known for his one season with the Green Bay Packers where he helped Brett Favre win the Super Bowl and was named Super Bowl MVP for his kick and punt returning, of all things. Nice. He had a 99-yard kick return touchdown and 244 returning yards total. Wow. Didn't catch a single pass in the game. (laughs)
1: Ha! And was named MVP. Yeah.
0: So that was some great kick returning. (laughs)
1: Wild. Yeah.
0: Very weird stuff. But over his career, he had nearly twice as many return yards as receiving yards, with uh, 2,895 return yards. And he had more scores on special teams with nine. Huh. So this primetime receiver ended up just being a great special teams dude. Still,
1: though, uh, Heisman as a wideout and then MB- Super Bowl MVP and yeah. the kick returner. That, those are things you can take to the bank. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are really both
0: weird accolades. Like those are things that not a lot of people can say. I, I mean I think Desmond Howard's the only Super Bowl MVP to do that off of just kick returns. I can't Did think Devin of it. Did Devin Hester not get it? No, well I mean they didn't win. Uh, true. <laughs> so I mean I get those are very weird things that and they're incredible they're incredible feats right, that right. just pulled off. But still, I guess you've got something good. Not what you expected, and definitely not as good as you hoped, but still good. Yeah, did. yeah. the The Redskins had traded up to get this guy, thinking that he was gonna be another superstar.
1: Well, you've got a lot of a lot of uh, reason to say he was the best pick in the draft outside of uh, what was uh, Vin- Vincent. Vincent. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah around there. I, there was also that guy really early on that the Lions took, that defensive tackle Porcher. That's right. He he had a solid solid career. career, but. The third overall pick was Sean Gilbert, a defensive tackle from Pitt, and he was getting taken by the Rams. He has one Pro Bowl to his name in his career, forty-two and a half sacks, four hundred nine tackles, eleven forced fumbles, and two picks. He played for twelve years and had a solid career to his name, but third overall career? Absolutely not. Mm, no. An okay career. Yeah. <laughs> he had an okay career. He was he, he he made a living for himself.
1: That's he had the fifth best career in. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. this career. laughs>
0: Oh, man. Now, here's the thing. Up to this point, we've had some duds, some real busts, some misses, and some guys who had okay careers but just didn't live up to the spot they were drafted at. Right. But these first two picks in the draft are what solidifies this as one of the worst drafts, if not the worst draft in NFL history. So, two picks, two unfortunate butts to the end of this joke of a draft class.
1: Raggedy Andy and Scooby-Doo. Yeah.
0: (laughs) With the second overall pick... Sadly, my Colts are there. Oh, yeah. At 1-15, they need any help they can get. So it is the best player available. Take the best player left in the draft. Please, I beg you, just anyone will help this team get better. So they take Quinton Corriott, a linebacker out of Texas A&M who got well-known for a devastating hit he dished out in college, kind of like Jadavian Clowney did a couple years ago when he was in college. Okay. So can he save the Colts' defense? No. Instead, he's known for two things, getting injured a lot in his career and for dropping an interception in 1996 during the AFC championship game that would have sent an underdog Colts team to the Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh at quarterback.
1: Jim Harbaugh, man. Oh, that's brutal.
0: Yeah, it was like in his hands and he just coughed it up. And that's what he's known for. After seven years, he'd end his career with 442 tackles, eight and a half sacks and three picks mediocre and ultra disappointing. Yeah. You know, it's really bad that at this point when I read that stat line, I was like, oh, that's not that bad. And then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've been reading too many of these <laughs> stat lines.
1: <laughs> that's what I've been laughing about. you the the guy who would, when you say like all the stats and I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, he's one of the better guys in this draft. <laughs> but that's only because that's the only perspective that got <laughs> in this draft.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, rip the Colts. It must suck to be them, but at least they didn't whiff on the first overall pick, right?
1: Yeah, which was the...
0: So, with the first pick in the NFL draft, the Indianapolis Colts select... Wait, yeah, the Colts also had this pick.
1: (laughs) Oh, no.
0: So, they had the first two picks in this draft and whiffed on
1: both of them. I sense salt.
0: <laughs> I read it and I was like, oh no, this was the dark age of the Indianapolis Colts. This is pre-Jim Harbaugh and pre pre Peyton Manning Colts when they were just
1: bad all the time. Oh man, so uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying the fact that the Colts are finding a way to disappoint you with things they did before you were born. <laughs> oh, But...
0: Yeah, they they whiffed on this pick as well. (laughs) Who was it? Steve Etman was a defensive end who played 18 games as a Colt. He had 21 tackles and 5 sacks. He finished all three of his seasons as a Colt on IR. He would play three more years after he left the Colts and then retired. The first overall pick, 134 tackles, 8 sacks, 1 pick, and a lot of injuries.
1: Yeah, ouch. The injuries, that, that always sucks. The, uh, what, eight games, five sacks? That's not a terrible... 18 games. Oh, 18 games. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Yeah. It so, <laughs> he was, he was, wasn't even showing flashes before the injury problems. There, there,
0: there is no argument that if this guy had been healthy, he no. could have been great. There, there's no, no. No, there's no. no Bob Sanders, Dalvin Cook argument going on here.
1: Hey, the future's yet to be written.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, exactly. I don't spend a lot of time, though, describing these two picks' careers because, to be quite frank, they didn't garner attention in any way, shape, or form. They are entirely forgettable and leave as small a mark on NFL history as one could do as the two first picks in the draft. Just big nothings.
1: I I guess, uh, Ryan Leaf said, hold my beer. Yeah, well,
0: (laughs) at least Ryan Leaf made a scene out of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, I know his name.
0: (laughs) Yeah. At least Ryan Leaf, you know, did something to make people remember him. And he was argued, is Ryan Leaf better than Peyton Manning? No, Peyton Manning's better. No, Ryan Leaf's better. At least there was all that coverage around him where these guys, like, they came, they did nothing, and they left. They got hurt a couple of times, and then they left. But, yeah. Um, so, let's rack up the accolades one last time for the first round. 28 picks, mm-hmm. and across these 28-pick seasons, there were 23 Pro Bowl appearances and 12 All-Pro seasons. Once again, those overlap.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's uh, pretty disappointing. <laughs> yeah.
0: A year later... The first round of the 93 draft would produce 35 pro bowl appearances and 12 (laughs) all pro seasons and four hall of famers in the entire class so that's not just the the first round that's four hall of famers total and that's a big number i haven't mentioned at this point because there were zero hall of famers in this first round and zero in the entire draft class of 1992. the only draft since nineteen sixty to not have produced a single since Hall of Famer.
1: Nineteen sixty, there has been at least one Hall of Famer in every draft. Yes, Except not counting, of 100.
0: course, the ones you know that are not eligible for any Hall of Famers, like of recently. But outside of those, right, right. but outside of every class yeah. that can have one, has
1: one. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't be surprised if that trend just continues. Like, yeah, it's just. So many, these, de- you know, really, really good players coming out and since '92, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I would be shocked if there there was another year where this happened. Um, what is the latest season to have a Hall of Famer, or latest draft?
0: Um, uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of who have been, who have been first ballot Hall of Famers yeah, recently. Oh, uh, man, I'm trying to think. Ed Reed was recent, and he, like he got in first ballot. I can't remember what his draft class is. Um, Couldn't have been
1: much later than... Because Brett Favre was playing in 92. Ed Reed mm-hmm. wasn't too, too far behind him. I mean, yeah, maybe, let me, Maybe five years max. I'm
0: trying to... He was in the 2002 draft, Ed Reed. Really? He had a... There Holy was, cow. Yeah. There was a
1: decade between him and Brett Favre.
0: Yeah. Brett Favre played for a long time. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. But if you look at the rest of the 12-round draft in 1992, which shrunk to eight the next season and then seven the year before, which is now what we do today, mm-hmm. there are only three notable players. Jimmy Smith, a receiver who did well in Jacksonville, Darren Woodson, a defensive black who did well in Dallas, and Brad Johnson, a guy considered the worst starting quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl.
1: Who do you win it with? The
0: Buccaneers. So, the, uh, the, the I, I John Gruden yeah. defense that Brad Johnson just kind yes. of game-managed the offense and <laughs> made it work. ger manager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson, always the two vying for the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl.
1: Rex Grossman came close, right?
0: They did not win, though. Yeah. He, he would have been in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got a couple. I mean, like... Like, if, if the 49ers had won this year, Jimmy Garoppolo's
1: all right, but, like... He's better than all those guys, though. Yeah, and that's and, true. And, and he's he's got a little bit to prove. I think yeah. I think we can watch Jimmy the next couple years, and I think we'll see improvement. I don't think he's going to regress. Uh, yeah. At worst, we'll see similar production. Right, right. But
0: then at least he's consistent. But, yeah. And that is the 1992
1: draft class. That was... Impressively unimpressive.
0: Yes, it was like, after I was done, I was like, that was underwhelming.
1: I'm so glad that we just wasted 45 minutes
0: talking about it. And that's like the craziest part, is like, there is not a single guy in the Hall of Fame, and not a single guy that I read their name and thought, oh, I know this dude. No. Not a single guy in that 32... First round picks, and when I scrolled through the players that were notable outside of that, it was literally those three guys I told you about.
1: Yeah, not even like not even the guys that were kind of journeymen, career guys Mm -hmm. like the 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 what was it, Roy, uh, Ray Roberts, Ray Roberts, yeah, Yeah, from, from UVA. He he had a nice journeyman career and was on enough teams played enough games you'd think he'd be one of those guys that you could remember i guess maybe it was because we were too young yeah there's gonna there's gonna be players from the 2000 draft or whatever uh that had similar careers and if we were to do this yeah in the future we'd See guys, but oh yeah, he I remember. kind of like your your. He uh, caught a touchdown for me when I drafted him in the last round of my fantasy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I remember. It'd be kind
0: (laughs) of like your uh, someone who's solid because the first thing that came to my head was Brian Hoyer, but it'd be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be remembered for being good.
1: I but, don't know, but he's even got a better career than anyone we went over today. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, way for the better. most part. Yeah, he scored six touchdowns in a game or yeah. seven, didn't he? He mm. tied the record.
0: No, that was Nick Foles. Nick Foles tied. Nick up. Foles and Peyton Manning are the two that have thrown seven I don't touchdowns. Know. In
1: Fitzpatrick got—he got close. He might have only done six, I guess. He might have done six. It, it was a lot. Magic, man. He, Maybe he ran one in, and so it was like he scored seven. He had seven yeah. overall touchdowns. I don't from. know. Maybe it was only six, but he had a ridiculous game.
0: Uh, either last. Season, or season with the Buccaneers or, he yeah. I mean he he just every now and then does it fits magic man really yeah he's yeah, he does. I mean honestly you could almost like in a Brian Fitzpatrick's one of those players that in like 15 years someone like people like us could do a career highlight on him for a podcast like this
1: well yeah exactly he's he's kind of he's made a name for himself like I, I would say he is more likely to be spoken about in the future than than your Marcus Mariota's and 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 and, uh dare I say uh maybe maybe not Cam Newton just because of the personality but if you look at just his stats and stuff uh, I guess he's got a little bit of proving to do this next year but there there are a lot of players that probably had better seasons were more important to their team than Fitzmagic did in the moment Mm -hmm. but just because of the fact that he's played for so many teams and had good games with all of them yeah is pretty impressive yeah Uh, that's that's its own
0: kind of stat yeah I mean he beat the Patriots with all three other AFC East teams at one point in time so pretty fun stat
1: and 28 teams
0: Would have loved to have drafted him in 92. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, well, the the cat has just snuck out from under the bed, didn't even realize he was there this entire time. But I think that's a sign that we need to start wrapping it up here. So any final reflection on this 1992
1: draft and it's nothing it produced? Uh, Even with the uh, lack of professionalism, a cat crawling out of our studio (laughs) vindicates... (laughs) I think I could have done just as good a job in the draft room as any of these teams did.
0: Very true, very true. And uh, I think that my takeaway is I hope that tomorrow's draft or today's draft, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully if everything goes wrong as far as the conducting of the draft, at least we can know almost for certain that the Players being drafted will still be better and have better careers than those in 92.
1: We can certainly hope. And, and I know, Joe Burrow, if you're listening, we're all rooting for you.
0: <laughs> exactly. Don't be like your uh, predecessor in Cincinnati, Klingler. Uh, cl- <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: yeah. What, what, what do we, we use? To, to, the, the hero of Cincinnati? Yeah, no, the what savior. We, savior, yeah. Maybe... The savior is yet to come. For exactly, the exactly.
0: Don't take 82 sacks in your first three seasons as a quarterback.
1: 40 sacks? How do you get that high?
0: Anyway, with that in mind, we're gonna sign out. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Uh, be sure to tune in to us every Friday for the new episode on U92 the Moose at 6 p or 5 p.m. Sorry, when you're getting off work. Um, anyway, with that in mind, I'm Mark Schoenster, and alongside me, James Schoenster, Schoenster I can't say my own last name. So, so long. Bye bye